Okay, we're doing a little bit uh, of a different numbers study today um, from the sense of it's going to be a little bit shorter as we kind of wrap up um, a section um, that Sherry has mentioned several times starting all the way back. I want to say it's Exodus 19. Is that correct, mm-hmm. Sherry? Correct. Um, and then we're going to go, um, what we're going to do today is just numbers chapters 9 and then 10 through chapter 10, verse 10, so that we'll kind of complete that section. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a little bit shorter, um, but which allows us uh, a little more room to do some reading. So what we're going to do is kind of go back to reading through this text since we've got a shorter text today and then um, discuss some observations um, after we do that. But before we jump in, um, Elizabeth or Sherry, was there anything in this shorter section that stood out to you um, in in um, kind of the framework of like we're, we're coming to a bookend or kind of a closing cap here um, in the book of Numbers? Elizabeth, mm-hmm. was there anything for you? Yeah, so the just starting off chapter nine with the celebration of the Passover seemed like a really good bookend um, to something that started back in Exodus because you have like the first Passover and then you start have uh, getting the law and then the Passover kind of seems like a good little cap to that. That made sense to me. And um, I guess that was my only general observation in that regard. Okay. I thought I had something else, but sure. Lost it. Sherry, anything for you? Um, and this is just this is a particular thing, not like a general comment, but um, I thought it was interesting that um, this time when they observed the Passover, of course this is the first time for them observing the Passover where it's not like actually on the time that, you know, that the thing happens. Um, uh, this is the first time they're celebrating a Passover that looks back um, <clears throat> on the event. And um, that there's like a glitch. And then um, Moses says, okay, uh, I'm not sure what to do about this. Let me go back and ask, which is, which is um, uh, encouraging. Uh, but then the answer to that question is a little surprising to me. Yeah. And so, um, anyway... Uh, that was that was like one of the things that I thought. Oh, so I mean, I knew that, but but I, I just thought about it and I thought, you know, that isn't really what I what I would have expected the right. answer would be, or what it would be if it were me. Yeah, right. You know. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, yeah, and that is, it brings to mind the ox in the ditch um, mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and we'll get to that later mm-hmm. as we hit that. But mm-hmm. appreciate those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 8. Mm-hmm. We'll take that, that section, walk through it, and then we'll go through uh, another set of verses. All right, so Numbers chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the 14th day of this month at twilight, You shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its statutes and all its rules, you shall keep it. So Moses told the people of Israel that they should keep the Passover, and they kept the Passover in the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord 
commanded Moses, so the people of Israel did. And there were certain men who were unclean through touching a dead body, so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day, and those men said to him, We are unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? And Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Okay, so this is dealing with what uh, Sherry was just speaking to a moment ago of the, you know, our first glitch. Um, And I did have a question um, before we touch on that, uh, where we've got, let's see, we're on, let's see, where did I see that? The second year, yeah, the second, the very first verse where it says the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... You had said this is the first time since um, the initial Passover mm-hmm. that they have actually that they are actually now celebrating this, um, and I I didn't even put that together because I was thinking it's the second year, so they wouldn't have um, celebrated it before. Is that right? So I'm so I'm help counting me that I think okay. I'm counting the first month of the first year as when they came out of Egypt. Okay. So this would be the right. first month of the second right, year. Right, right, right. Okay, yes, thank you. That's so, helpful. Not yeah. two years later, but I was not the thinking... first month of the second year. Right, okay, got it. Okay, yeah. perfect. Okay, because that's, yeah, mm-hmm. I was thinking, not thinking through that correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, now let's jump down to um, the unclean. So it, not too long ago, we have already gone through the... Um, uh, commandments about, um, you know, all the things that, uh, well, this was last week, I guess, uh, about the Nazarite vow, which concerned the hair, the not touching dead things and all those things. But, um, even outside of that, if you are going to come for, or I was gonna say worship, but I, I don't guess that's the right word for it. But if you're going to come to celebrate Passover, also, you could not have touched a dead thing. Is that right? Within a certain period of time. I can't remember what the time is. Okay. And so now we have this conflict where Moses says, I need to check on what we do (laughs) when you violate this circumstance. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else from that section before we jump into God's response? Uh, Elizabeth, did you have something from that? Yeah, so I was also trying to figure out the timeline of it with the previous Passover, but then the other timeline kind of irregularity, I guess Mm -hmm. I saw, is that this is the first month of the second year, but the census is the second month of the second year. So it's kind of backtracking Mm -hmm. a little bit, and Sherry may have more to say about what this means thematically, I just picked it up and thought it was interesting, but don't really know what it means from a structural standpoint. Okay. So, Sherry, do you have anything to speak to that before? Um, Just that um, we, in general, especially in this section of Scripture, it's not necessarily chronological. Mm -hmm. So it's like more... um, lumped together in themes you know this is what they did about this and then it doesn't really say oh and by the way before that happened this happened it just goes on to say what happened um because it's like this in this context this is what happened here Mm -hmm. and um 
it doesn't it doesn't really say um, in the previous in the previous text. Okay, this is this is when this all occurred, but. I'm gathering that when Moses wrote this, it was like, okay, we're going to lump all this stuff together in one thing, and then we're going to move on and talk about what happened in the narrative. Mm -hmm. And so um, um, there were a lot of things, I'm sure, that happened um, in the time that 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 is covered by this by this writing, uh, uh, the end of Exodus. The book of Leviticus and the beginning of Numbers um, that are mentioned in other places, because Moses isn't focusing on the on the the narrative mm -hmm. at that point. He's focusing on you know these are the laws about this, these are the laws about this, these are the laws about this, and um, every once in a while there's a narrative in there, like we have the the issue with Nadab and Abihu, but those are inserted for. For a reason, right? It, because it, it it goes to the structure and it goes to the okay. This is the rule, and then this is what happened when they broke the rule, mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, there's another instance where um, a guy was ca caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath day or something, mm -hmm. and it's like okay, this is the rule, right? And then this happened, so this is the application of that rule. Right. Not necessarily. This is when it happened. When the rule was right after the rule was given. So yeah. Anyway, and it, it's putting me in a mind frame, and I'm not. I'm trying to remember which book it is. <clears throat> um, that where you've got Joshua and Caleb mm -hmm. uh, narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this is at the very beginning mm -hmm. of this book, and I'm mm -hmm. trying to remember which one it is. But it's doing what you're saying, where it's kind of it's walking through this theme, and it's not those couple of chapters are not chrono chronologically laid out mm -hmm. but they are spelling out basically here it's giving you the setup mm -hmm. of you know here's why this ended up being the way that it was mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like yeah. when they're dividing out the land right. I feel like is yeah. maybe when that was but mm -hmm. anyway so I appreciate you bringing that out because I do feel like so many times especially in the books of the law mm -hmm. um and I mean, and even, well, I, throughout, there's so many books that could fit that. Like I think of uh, Divided Kingdom, mm -hmm. you have so many things going on. Mm -hmm. And and I do feel like, again, that is just, to me, encouragement to be a better Bible student because at the surface, it can get very confusing mm -hmm. if you're not paying attention to some of these details to understand, okay, w w what is he saying, you know, like, if you're not understanding the narrative and the timeline mm -hmm. sort of in the background of your mind, mm -hmm. it can really bog you down as to, well, hold on. It's saying this month and year here, and it said this, you know, until you start putting those mm -hmm. pieces of the puzzle together mm -hmm. right. so that it makes sense. So mm -hmm. anyway, mm -hmm. I appreciate you bringing that out because it is helpful, especially um, when our brains, you know, like you've mentioned many times, want to say, okay, no, no, no what's the chronological, you know, like mm -hmm. what is yeah. first, second, third, you know, mm -hmm. and place it that way. Um, but mm -hmm. seeing how he lays that in the background, but then the themes kind of layered on top of that, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay.
All right, super. All right, so let's get into um, the Lord's response here, starting in verse 9. And I'll just continue reading because poor uh, Elizabeth and Sherry were not told that they were. We were going to be reading all the things. So, okay, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month of the fourteenth day at twilight, they shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break any of its bones according to all the statute statute for the Passover. They shall keep it. But if anyone is clean and is not on a journey, fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rule, so shall he do. You shall have one statute both for you and for the sojourner and for the native. Okay, so Sherry, would you like to start us off with that section since... That's what you were bringing out is just the surprising nature of God's okay. response there. Um, yeah, so I would have thought that if it were me, I would be just like, well, so you're just out of luck. You just have to wait till next year. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're if you're unclean, you obviously can't come. Yeah. Or um, someone else might say, well, okay, well, we'll make an exception for you. At, you know, in this case, mm-hmm. and you can still observe the Passover. Mm-hmm. But um, I think God is emphasizing, A, the importance of the Passover. Like, okay, this is not something that you that you want to miss. Right. And B, that the rule still applies. Mm-hmm. And, you, and the rule about not coming before God unclean. Right. Still holds, right? And so, okay, here will be the he'll be here will be the, the 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 mitigation for that is okay. We'll just do it the next month, mm-hmm. um, and still do it the same way. Mm-hmm. And also um, that he impresses again. Uh, he impresses at the end of the reading that. Um, that um, number one, this isn't like an excuse to skip the first one, mm-hmm. so that you right. can just go ahead and well, you know, my Didn't bad, like it. you know, yeah. I I can just I can just do it. I need to just catch it the next time around. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, number two, that the this is the this is the rule for everybody, no matter whether you're an Israelite or whether you're not. Mm-hmm. This is this is the same same rule for everybody. Mm-hmm. Same rule for everybody. You observe the Passover at this time. If you're unclean at this time, then you observe it the, the next month. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And no excuses for like missing the Passover the first time because you just didn't feel like doing it that time or whatever. Also, it kind of impresses me that um, the people that um, that this that this exception is made for. Are like no, we we want to, we want to do the Passover. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking like, oh well, guess we missed that one. We don't have to. 
Why? Worry about you know all the doing all the things because you know we were we, we were unclean, mm -hmm. and um, and that they are like no we, we still want to I mean we can't do it right um, and so it's not like a uh, they're not using it as an excuse to miss because they want to participate in the Passover mm -hmm. and so I, it just kind of impresses me that um, these are people that really want to that really want to partake in it and um, and so they're asking and that Moses doesn't just like make up a re a thing you know well okay this is what I think yeah he actually says well hang on I'm gonna go back and ask right and I'll come back mm -hmm. yeah I'm not gonna like assume that God is right because Moses might have assumed well you can't be unclean and the Passover's here and we have to celebrate it now so I guess you're out of luck yeah he actually goes back and asks God yeah. about it. So. Which, okay, let me just, the, here was my thought from that, and I'm glad you, you brought that out, that he actually goes back and asks God. Because I have, you know, like you had pointed out last time, uh, some bizarre arguments with um, abortion being equated, you mm -hmm. know, with the mm -hmm. testing, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Well, so the same thing I've heard from uh, this exception, if you will, or whatever, of, look, God makes exceptions all the time. So, you know, here's one, for instance. There's been many that I've heard different variations of this. But, um, you know, musical instruments. Like, I mean, if if all you know is singing praises to God through musical, why would he not accept that? You know, and it's such a far leap from yeah, what, leap. Yeah, yeah, from what is actually being discussed. And there's other examples. That's just one that comes up top. Like I said, there's... People pretty much want to, you know, can throw any example in there as, as to what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, but I appreciate that you brought out Moses it, it, specifying Moses did not just decide, well, let me call this shot since, mm -hmm. you know, like, here's a conflict. Like, here's what I think God would want us to do. No, he went and consulted mm -hmm. and got the answer directly from God. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I know, I mean, obviously the difference with us is we can't directly go hear it from the Lord. But I think burden proof on us to actually open up his words to make right. that, you know, that wise decision right. and prayerful decision right. and not just, well, God makes exceptions all the time. It's just such a flippant type yes. of attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's applied mm -hmm. to or, or misapplied to scriptures. Mm -hmm. So yeah. anyway, I just, that was something that had, um, as, through my reading through, that came back to mind, mm -hmm. you know. So Elizabeth, in, in those sections, was there, what did, did you find? I guess the only thing that stood out to me that hasn't already been said um, is the, like, severity of the punishment if you are keeping, or if you fail to keep the Passover without excuse. Mm -hmm. So I really liked what Sherry said about like, oh, this is an excuse to just not keep the Passover because you don't feel like it or to not keep it at all. But it says specifically that if you don't keep the Passover, you're going to be cut off from the people. Mm -hmm. So I think that really kind of drives the point home that the Passover is so important to remember and to um, partake in that celebration yeah. that... God is number one, giving you an extra opportunity to do it if you can't do it the first time for a legitimate reason. Mm -hmm. And then number two, you're just cut off from the people if you don't celebrate it. Like if you're not remembering 
God leading you out of Egypt, mm -hmm. what are you doing as an Israelite is mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. the impression right. I get from mm -hmm. it. Yeah, well, so. and along with that is, you know, Sherry, you brought out, you know, this is the importance to the degree of it's not just for the Israelites. It is everyone that is in this camp, you know, servant or, you know, who outlier. And, and again, that stands out to me as a difference in some of the other laws that, well, I mean, this is for the Israelites, mm -hmm. but it is, it is just, it's striking to me. And I don't even know what it means, but it's, it's something that I'm making note of, mm -hmm. of like, let me pay attention, mm -hmm. you know, to this throughout this, these readings and stuff of when God says, you know, to the sojourner, to the, you know, these things must be kept, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of whether or not you're, you know, my child or not, you know, or the Israelites or not, yeah. like it must be done. And I, I do, I, I'm just interested to see, you know, what noticings there are in other readings of like what the theme is mm -hmm. where God says, no, if you're among my people, this has to be done. So mm -hmm. anyway, but like you were saying, it, 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 it imprints the importance, I think, of like, this is not just, um, I mean, not that any of God's commandments are like, you know, just because, but there's a greater weight, it seems like, you know, in regard in connection to the Passover. Um, okay, anything else from those sections before we um, do the last section of chapter 9? Okay. All right. <clears throat> Verse 15 of Numbers 9. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testi testimony, and at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent after the people of Israel set out and in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out and at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the Lord, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the clouds, cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then, according to the command of, of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from, un, from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out, or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out, whether it was two days or a month or a longer time, that the cloud continued over the tabernacle. Abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses." Um, so I just want to reiterate that, you know, we're, one thing is that we have the time to do it this time, but also, you know, this section has had so little repetitiveness, but he, but this section is where we do see some repetitiveness, but I feel like this is one of those great places to show meaningful repetitiveness in the sense of, I mean, not that other places, but I, this is a very good, obvious place mm -hmm. to me. Where where you've got out you've got the repetition of the people did this at the command of the Lord the people stopped 
at the command of the Lord, the people went. At the, I mean, it's all mm-hmm. the focus is, you know, as Sherry, I think mm-hmm. you've been the one that has stated at this, you know, time period of the Israelites, their constant thought is looking up to the sky what's the direction today you know Mm -hmm. where you know where it is you know their constant thought of are we staying are we going what has the lord said Mm -hmm. um and i do think it is very challenging for us to keep that same kind of mind frame of day in day out what is the lord saying needs to be done today you know and what direction do we need to do so anyway i just i love that section Mm -hmm. because it is so um vivid and so easily seen you know like this is where I need to be (laughs) mentally you know day in and day out looking for you know even though it's not as tangible the direction of God so anyway um Elizabeth your thoughts from that section and then we'll go to Sherry yeah I've got oh I've got a lot of thoughts I'm gonna try Mm -hmm. to figure out the best way to kind of structure this so while you're talking about repetition I thought a lot about um the like very little that I know about the Hebrew language, they don't really have like superlatives. So the mm-hmm. point of repetition when you're repeating like an adjective mm-hmm. is like when mm-hmm. in Revelation they're saying holy, 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 that's like the most holy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that the point of repetition is to emphasize this like constant reliance on God mm-hmm. and them only doing what he says and not straying beyond that, not doing less than he's than he requires of them. Which I think kind of um, shows a lot of growth for the Israelites, mm-hmm. especially within that first year of leaving Egypt, where they're, I mean, we'll still see them complain and do mm-hmm. kind of terrible things, not doing what they're supposed to. But this instance in particular reflects very well on them. And mm-hmm. I really liked how you brought out that this is the mindset that we need to have um, of just looking to God daily for guidance. I was thinking a lot about um, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah mm-hmm. while I was reading this because it references this explicitly in one of the verses talking about the the fire and the cloud and that's what we need to be looking for. Um, and while I'm kind, kind of on that point, I really like the imagery of it being a fire at night mm-hmm. because if we talk about us as Christians being a light to the world and showing God's light to everyone, this is like a very... Um, I don't know, the imagery is exactly the same here. It kind of shows the continuity of who God is and what he expects. Mm-hmm. So he is a light to his people in the Old Testament, and now as his people, we're supposed to carry that light with us, Yeah, mm-hmm. which I thought was uh, just a really kind of powerful symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sherry? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um, the first thing is that um, this, is an, this is an example uh, again, like the previous um, set of passages about uh, on going back to the beginning. So this is this is a bookend. Mm-hmm. You've got them celebrating the Passover. You've got them celebrating the Passover um, before they leave Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes back to um, Exodus Exodus nineteen, which is where this whole section kind of starts and. Um, in Exodus 19, verse 17, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kill, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. So um, whenever you see 
um, smoke slash cloud, um, God is there. Um, smoke and fire. Whenever there's smoke and fire, God is somewhere close by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that's emphasized here with the, him continuing to repeat the cloud, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and the cloud followed them, the cloud and the pillar of fire. So again, God is there. Mm-hmm. And God's in the cloud, he's in the pillar of fire. Now, God is um, stating that his, he, his presence was on Mount Sinai. And now he's saying it's over the tabernacle. And so that's where God is, is over the tabernacle. So they looked at the tabernacle, which was in the middle, so they could see the clouds there, or the fires there, or it's it, or it's not. Yeah. Uh, and if it gets up and moves, then you got to follow it. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, it's, the, it's the emphasis, the continued repetition of the emphasis on following God, following God, following God. Mm-hmm. God's here, we're following Him. God goes over there, we follow Him. Um, uh, and so you have, and we'll come back to this again when we talk about the trumpets, um, <clears throat> that um, uh, they followed the cloud and the fire. And um, same thing at the beginning of, the, of, the, um, of this section. And so that, that just kind of goes to the fact that it is, it is a chiastic structure with things at the beginning uh, mirrored in the things at the end. Now the things that the things that were um, that a year ago were um, concentrated on the mountain are now concentrated on the tabernacle. So mm-hmm. God's not on the mountain anymore; He's in the tabernacle. Yeah. So those are the things that uh, that I wanted to bring out from that. So. I just had an idea, a connection that I made from what you just said about they're following the presence of God, and when they're at Mount Sinai, this initial point. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Like they're afraid because they don't mm-hmm. know God. They don't know who God is. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting now as they're following him, mm-hmm. they still fear him, but more of an awe and respect mm-hmm. and less of a scared for their life right. kind of way, which I think kind of speaks to the purpose mm-hmm. of everything in the middle. Mm-hmm. So right. Leviticus is giving the law how do we approach God? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for phrasing it that way. That made a lot of things click better for me. That's great. All right, let's uh, look at chapter 10 as we um, are able to wrap up this section. So uh, verses 1 through 10. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Make two silver trumpets of hammered work. You shall make them, and you shall use them for summoning the congregation and for breaking camp. And when both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the entrance of the tent of meeting, But if they blow one, then the chiefs, the heads of the tribes of Israel shall gather themselves to you. When you blow an alarm, the camps that are on the east side shall set out. And when you blow an alarm the second time, the camps that are on the south side shall set out. An alarm is to be blown whenever they are are to set out. But when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow a long blast, but you shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall blow the trumpets. The trumpets shall be to you for a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And when you go to war in your lands against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that you may be remembered before the Lord your God. And you shall be saved from your enemies on the day of your gladness also and at your appointed feast. And at the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings 
and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder for you of you before your God. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so uh, Sherry, if you would like to get us started with that last section that we're going to cover today. Okay, so I mentioned um, a minute ago uh, about Exodus chapter 19, the presence of fire and smoke on the mountain. Um, if we go back to that passage um, and look at verse uh, 13, um, it says, uh, no hand shall touch him. He's, he's talking about if a person touches the mountain like when he's not supposed to. Um, but he shall be shot or stoned, whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So at this point, they haven't made those the hammered out trumpets. So these are like ram's horns trumpets. Then in verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there were thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Um, then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. So we have another reference back to Exodus 19, the trumpet. So you have the cloud, the fire, and the trumpet. Um, uh, so um, uh, I think that emphasizes kind of the, just, again, the, the chiastic structure, but also um, just the importance of the trumpets. Uh, we have we have him giving instructions about when to blow the trumpets and what uh, I'm I'm assuming it's like certain signals. If you blow the trumpet this way, that's an alarm. If you blow it this way, then it's just a joyful sound, um, just like people have used for hundreds of years in battle. You know, the certain a certain blow on the trumpet means. The beginning of the day, the end of the day, um, we're going into battle, you know, time to retreat, just a lot of different things that the trumpets are used for. And I think that's laid out here. Um, uh, they're supposed to use two trumpets to assemble. Uh, one trumpet, only the heads of the tribes are supposed to assemble. Um, there's one alarm. Uh, they, they sound one alarm, which means the east side of the camp is supposed to move out. Then on the second alarm, the south side moves out, and I'm guessing going around the the the, the circle of where the where the camp is, it's it's a similar situation. Um, um, verse eight: um, only the priests are to blow the trumpets, and um, it says in, in verse eight um, as a perpetual statute. Perpetual statute to me means like forever, mm -hmm. um, or for as long as they're a nation. Right. Um, uh, it reminds me of um, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52, and also 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17 um, that we've, we've talked about previously when we talked about the um, Feast of Trumpets that, that refers to the end of time, and it says... The trumpet will sound, mm -hmm. and then we'll be called home. So um, I think um, I think that's kind of a reference to that. Um, uh, and then in verse nine, I thought it was interesting. It says that when you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you. So he's talking about not now. He's talking about when you're in the land and you're oppressed. So which means uh, they're going to be oppressed. <laughs> 
Um, and it says, Then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, that you may be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. So it's not only um, a message to everybody around them that, hey, we're going to battle against these people, but also uh, to remind the Lord. And it doesn't say to remind them of the Lord. It's to remind the Lord of them. Mm -hmm. And so um, he says, if you do that and blow the trumpet um, with an eye to asking for my intervention, you will be saved from your enemies. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, um, I think that's real significant. Um, they were also supposed to use the trumpets to express gladness at the appointed feasts. Um, and it says at the beginnings of months or over their burnt offerings, kind of depending. Um, and that it was a reminder to the people, um, but it was also a reminder to God of their need for him. And, and uh, um, in a sense, sort of just like calling out to God. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> what the thing that strikes me from all of that, Sherry, um, or one thing I should say, it, when you are pointing out, and I'm just like Elizabeth with, you know, I appreciate the way you're, you're phrasing this in helping me make extra connections, like especially, um, you know, you're bringing out the last trumpet mm -hmm. sounds. And, uh, and again, I mean, it, it makes absolute sense, but unless we are dedicated Bible students, well, the last trumpet sound is like, well, that's cool. We'll know. It's mm -hmm. all, you know, everybody will hear the trumpet sound. That's exciting. But the depth of appreciation of, of understanding God, God's laying this pattern mm -hmm. out right. so that we go, ha-ha, mm -hmm. <laughs> we've yes. seen this before. We've heard, you know. Mm -hmm. But then in addition to that, um, you know, you bringing out the point that God needs to be, you know, it, it's set up for a reminder for God. And I think, I mean, at least I know for myself, but I think many of us can forget because of passages like we can come with boldness before, you know, and all this kind of stuff of like God wants us, he desires us, you know, and he longs for us to be near to forget. We, there's a sense in which we've got to be doing something worth his note. I mean, this is the creator of the whole universe, and I think I'm going to get his attention because mm -hmm. I say a prayer once a month asking for mm -hmm. something, or you know what I mean? Like, right. in the sense of things like fasting um, and, and passages like this of like, hey, the trumpet's going to be blown, and it's going to get, you know, this is going to, part of what gets God's attention, you know, things mm -hmm. like that, you know, and... Um, him setting the rainbow, you know, just different things like that, that it's like, it's just a, a sobering reminder to me of sort of the, the level up that I need to get into of, hey, if you want to be remembered, you got to be worth remembering to mm -hmm. some degree, you know, mm -hmm. you've got to mm -hmm. show yourself faithful um, to a degree that is going to be worth God's noticing. And I hope that doesn't come across in the wrong way as if, I mean, there's no, I'm making no um, commentary or, or saying at all that like, well, we've got to earn it. That's, that's not at all mm -hmm. my, my comment there, but it is a, what is God looking for? And it's not just, you're a pretty good person mm -hmm. and you're kind of nice to your community, mm -hmm. but like, it really needs to be something 
worthy of his attention. So anyway, I just appreciated you bringing that out of just that, that notion that like that reminder that should be with us always. I mean, I know busy people. I don't know anyone as busy as God, you know, like, (laughs) and I mean, I just think of the people like, "Mm, okay, if I want to like have an audience with this person, I should give them two weeks notice. Mm -hmm. Like I know those people Mm -hmm. there. I don't, I cannot even comprehend desiring an audience with God. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, And except that he has said, I want my children, you know, but I've got to be that person who's like, I want, I want to be with you all the time. So mm-hmm. anyway, I hope that's not too mm-hmm. off the rabbit trail or whatever, mm-hmm. but I just appreciated you bringing that out. Elizabeth, go ahead. Ooh. Again, trying to figure out how to structure my <laughs> thoughts on this. I really, um, I really liked how you brought this up kind of in the context of prayer. Um, mm-hmm. And especially when you said like, God doesn't want us to just like say a prayer once a month and think we're good. Like that's not... Um, like, obviously God hears us when we pray, but if we're not in constant devotion to prayer, Mm -hmm. then, um, I don't know, it just kind of, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it still matters to God, but it's it's just different. Mm -hmm. And especially when you look at the number of times that they are blowing the trumpets before him, it's the feasts and the months and the, the sacrifices. Like, this is continual remembrance before God. Mm -hmm. And when they lose that, then they're losing a lot of their um, confidence in God, that protection, um, if they're not constantly calling out to him. Mm -hmm. And then in that same kind of vein, it talks about being remembered before the Lord. And I think that can be misconstrued as God forgets them. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely not what's going on. It's like when we talk about prayer and we talk about asking for things from God, it's not because he doesn't know or he doesn't care or he doesn't, you know, think about it, but it's the, the personal recognition that we can't do this on our own. We need God's help Mm -hmm. and we want him to know and want him to hear, even though (laughs) he already knows. I don't know how to picked up on that. Um, and then the last thing circling back around to the trumpet imagery, I did not catch it in the Exodus 19, so I'm glad, Sherry, that you brought that out. And then kind of connecting a few more dots to that, I did think about the the trumpet sounding on the last day when the Lord returns. And if you look at in Exodus, in Numbers, and then on the last day, it's kind of this idea of God calling his people to him, calling mm-hmm. him to the mountain, calling him to the tabernacle, mm-hmm. calling them to judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's just a consistent theme throughout and something Mm -hmm. that I really like and something that makes it so meaningful is that this is the same God throughout the Bible Mm -hmm. and he expects the same things of us as he expected of the Israelites in the past and that the kind of ways in which he operates don't really change even though the laws were different we have different Mm -hmm. purposes for the law Mm -hmm. but what God expects of us is still the same that we want to be drawing nearer to him wanting to know what he wants us to do and trying to be in constant communication with him. Yeah, excellent points, excellent thoughts. Um, I do want to throw a quick plug in here at the end because this has been, um, I think all of our our sessions uh, could go under this umbrella, but for whatever reason, this is the one that has struck me this way. Um, but I 
for those who are, you know, listening to this, in particular, ladies at Northwood um, who might be listening to this later, I, I want to, you know, we've mentioned in different times like, uh, you know, resources, just helpful tools in general that might uh, benefit you during your own personal Bible studies, wherever you are studying in the scriptures. Um, but I also wanted to throw um, a sort of a diff- a little bit of a different plug in um, related to that, and that is these kinds of readings are, number one, not intimidating. And I, I hope, I would love anybody's feedback, you know, if I'm, I'm off on this, would love to hear, you know, um, your thoughts on this. But the, if you are trying to figure out um, how to start a study with a neighbor with um, a coworker, with somebody, but you are intimidated from the standpoint of where do I even start? You know, like what what book should I get? What study um, resource should I use? This, that, the other? What program? I would I would just like to encourage um, you guys, and I'm you know putting this challenge before myself of just choosing a book that you love. You know, um, now I would not recommend Revelation, but Choose a a gospel or a simple Old Testament book and just sit down and read the scriptures with with another lady that is interested in that. Um, And and that's one of my goals with this study with Elizabeth and Sherry um, in particular is, I mean, it's obviously beneficial for each of us personally, but also to encourage myself to work up the courage to, to ask other ladies, hey, like we're we're reading through the book of numbers we would i would love to to do that book with you or if there's a book you're interested in reading through because um i i have found too many times and myself included we can intimidate ourselves out of just sharing god's word because we are afraid for one reason or another um and if that you know and there are being a million reasons why but regardless I don't know of anyone who is a grown woman Christian who could not sit down, read through scriptures, and just say, what did you observe? And that's what, you know, we're striving to do here. And I don't, you know, I know, you know, maybe without, you know, maybe I'm the one who's like the weak link here because Sherry and Elizabeth are probably have ridiculous IQs, but I, it does not matter you know, your knowledge level academically or, you know, any of those things, I, I I just deeply, genuinely would like to encourage all of us ladies to gain more confidence in reaching out and just asking because the worst somebody could say is no, would you be, you know, interested in reading the Bible with me? Because it's such an unintimidating way to sit down and learn more about God learn more about who he is, what he desires, and what that means for for our lives in particular, and then hopefully, God willing, for lost souls, you know, to be able to come to him. So um, I appreciate uh, Sherry and Elizabeth let me throw that plug in there at the end, um, but I just, I think it's so important, and, and this is, you know, a pretty large part of why I enjoy doing this format um, is because I feel like it gives us more confidence, not in our knowledge and academic stuff, but in our ability 
our God-given ability to understand scriptures and to see the beauty um, and the connections and more of that, uh, the more that we can do that with one another. I mean, and that one more thing, I'm sorry, I'm getting off here, but if, if your confidence level is not to the stage of asking a neighbor, ask a Sherry or ask an Elizabeth or anyone, you know, at the congregation that you are comfortable with, hey, could we practice? Could we just read through the Bible together to kind of start working on that? Because I feel like we could do a lot of good in our community, in this area, if we just, you know, if we were, you know, found opportunities to just read the Bible with other people. So anyway, that's my last plug for that. Um, next time we get together, we'll be going through... The rest of chapter 10 and through, did we say 12? Um, I think, let me look. I think, we, yeah, we're going to go 10, 11, and 12 because then 13 starts the um, Canish Barnea yep. debacle. Perfect. Okay. All right. Looking forward to a debacle in two more <laughs> lessons. All right. Thanks so much.